The following podcast contains spoilers for The Hunt and Mean Streets. You have been warned. Welcome on back, everybody, to KFR News Radio. This is Glenjman Button here speaking with Miguel Mugusto. Hello, Miguel. <laughs> Miguel Mugusto, I like that. <laughs> Michael, I like. I'm good. How are you? Not bad. It's a little chilly here in the basement, but other than that, that's oh. just winter for you. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're also recording in a basement. That sounds like that's, a personal problem. It is the worst problem that I have. Yeah. Yes, it is. So, if you were listening last week, uh, which might have been two of you, uh, you know that we chose The Hunt and Mean Streets for this week's films. But as always, first, let's just do a little movie catch-up, Glenn. Have you seen anything since our our last meeting? Well, I have to say no, as usual. But uh, I was going to see uh, an early screening of that new Spider-Man movie. Oh, yeah? Uh, Turns out it was completely full. So, I, well, that I mean, was I great. Could, I could have told you that. Yeah, there was like yeah. a 2 p.m. showing and it was completely full. Yeah, they... So very upset. Those things, they always give out too many tickets because they want it to be full. They want to turn people away. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so, next week is going to be that venture. Yeah. Well, I saw a shit ton of movies. Oh, yeah, I've seen. Mainly all yesterday. But since the last time we talked, I saw uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, or I like to call it uh, Disney uh, Spank Bank. I like to call it Emoji Movie 2, Pixar made. I mean, it's a little bit better than that. I wouldn't well, it's, cause it's not Pixar, but it, the entire thing is just Disney just patting itself on the back and, you know, yeah. jerking itself off to be very crude. <laughs> uh, then I saw Creed 2, which I know you... Did you see that yet? Or? Uh, oh, wait, was that last week? I did see Creed 2. Man, my weeks are so freaking long at this point. Yeah. I did see Creed 2. That was it. That was the one. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was okay. Uh, not as good as the first one. I, uh, I'm i only opposite because I feel like they did very well with the antagonist this time around. That I would agree with. I feel the antagonist, the, the whole Drago storyline was a lot better. And yeah. actually, I, I like what they did with uh, Ivan Drago's character. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of made him more sympathetic in a way. Kind of showed how losing ruined his life uh at least that's what he thought i mean it's probably like a self-fulfilling prophecy type of thing where he was like oh this ruined my life so then he let it ruin his life um yeah but yeah i, I enjoy that but i just thought the the uh michael b jordan storyline was very lackluster and in the first one i thought it was actually pretty good uh, and i, I kind of was hoping more would happen um yeah, they focused no. more on his, his. They focused more on him and not as much about like how he didn't grow up with a dad, which I kind of was hoping that they would do. But what are you well, gonna do? At the end of the day, it's a boxing movie, and it's hard to make it really good. Yeah, at and least I like saw, the first one was. Yeah, I saw the favorite, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos of Lobster mm-hmm. and To Kill Killing of the Sacred Deer, fame, and it's just as weird as you think it would be. I was about to say, it's got a bunch of uh, leading ladies there, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's, I liked it a lot. Then I saw Eternity at Eternity's Gate with uh, Willem Dafoe as Vincent mm-hmm. Van Gogh. I uh, did really want to see that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. Um, 
Yeah, I don't really have much to say about that. <laughs> then I saw Border, a Swedish movie about uh, trolls, but Man, like in the real Did world. Did you go to Bryn Mawr, I assume? I went, to, I went to the Ritz in uh, Philly. Yeah, I, I went crazy. And uh, Shoplifter is a Japanese movie about shoplifters. <laughs> and then Roma, which is actually on Netflix right now. Uh, I found out as the credits were going. I was like, oh, man, I could have watched this at home. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know, things happen. Uh, that's uh, Alfonso Coron, Coron uh, his newest movie. Um, you know, he did Gravity yeah. and other. I think he did one, uh, one of the Harry Potters. But yeah. And as you know, and I'm sure all my friends who are listening know, I finally finished The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, you did? I did finish it, yeah. I knew I, you were halfway Friday, through it last time I yeah, commented. Friday, I powered through it and just finished finished it uh since we didn't record on friday like we usually do yeah and gotta tell you don't understand what the hype is about not one single bit it's uh, it, it i was talking to my friend about this um and i kind of i think this sums it up like i love the idea but the execution was terrible not i shouldn't say terrible just lackluster it was like it was a a lifetime horror movie essentially pretty much it was, it was just super cheesy uh it had it had decent effects um the dialogue at moments was just awful and and just took me out of it and i my biggest problem with it everyone kept talking about how great the monologues are and they're right the monologues are great but it seems like every scene is in service to set up the monologue and it was just very formulaic where it'd be like oh three four lines of dialogue then a giant monologue three or four lines of dialogue then a giant monologue and it's just over and over again it just got boring and tired and yeah for uh, me yeah. uh there was the, the the show had moments. It had moments that it was pretty good, but overall, like just the characters, they weren't that interesting. And then the problems that they had, no. And then all, on top of it all, like the house yeah. itself, it's like it was just a cluster of what just wasn't that good. And it was just, yeah. I'm, I'm not great with overhyped shows to begin with, but like that was really overhyped. Yeah, it's it's. It services the audience well, and you know if you love if you love the show, good, go go to, good for you. But like technically speaking, it's just not a well put together story. Even my wife, who uh, you know, I, I she she likes watching Lifetime movies. She acknowledges they're bad, but she likes watching <laughs> them. Uh, or Hallmark movies, not Lifetime movies, but you yeah. know they're one and the same. She was just pointing out all the flaws that normally I would point out and would drive her crazy about. Uh, so it's just super glaring that, uh, she noticed them. Yeah. You should have, uh, you should have seen me watching it most of the time. Just when like something like really stupid, like would happen, I'd like either roll my eyes or I'd be like, Oh my God. Yeah. And Kira would just be like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm going to die. The I'm worst. Goddamn <laughs> die. <laughs> the worst line of dialogue in the entire series uh i think it's the episode that's dedicated to theo which is the middle daughter yeah. um she's like lying in bed and one of her she thinks one of her sisters gets in bed with her you see a hand come around her and she holds it and then she's like s starts talking to it they have a, like a small conversation and then it just stops responding and then she looks around and no one's with her and out loud Mind you, we know what's what's going on. We like we don't need the, the slap in the face. But out loud, she goes, "Whose hand was I holding?" 
I mean, she doesn't say it like that, but she <laughs> might as well have been with how Who's stupid that. Who's handing my holding right now, y'all? I tell you what. I tell you what. I was holding a hand here. Now there's no no hand. I can't believe I wasn't holding somebody's <laughs> hand when I was. What yeah, is happening? But I mean, like for the people that enjoy it, I'm glad you enjoy it. I just, I'm sure you got. The, oh, you probably you watched it before you finished it before I did, so you probably didn't get as much. I tried watching it like six or seven times and had to stop each time. There was uh, there was a lot of times I wanted to quit, yeah. but and, I wanted and, to finish it just because I wanted us to talk about it at see, some point. I didn't want to finish it, but then people kept saying, "Why haven't you finished <laughs> it yet?" And they're like, "Oh, just wait till episode six. Just wait till episode seven. Just wait that's, till that's episode eight. You have to wait for those moments. Yeah, it's not honestly, fun. If it were a three-hour movie, or even like two two-hour movies it'd probably be be great but there's just so much fluff that doesn't need to be there yeah and if my main thing is if the characters would just get over their shit this movie would right a go a lot right show would go a lot faster and that is be a lot better (laughs) that is the most frustrating thing in lazy writing in the world is when you refuse to have your characters communicate Mm-hmm. Like, and there, I, there I, are, I get why they don't. Like, they explain yeah. a little bit why they don't. But oh yeah. my god, are they but, more stubborn than me? Exactly. And if that's you, annoying. If you have, and, and that that's real life. I will admit that is real life. But I don't want to see that, for, especially yeah. for a ten-hour series. Uh, like, if if you have one or two conversations ending with, I don't want to talk about it right now. That's fine. But if you add end all of them with, I don't want to talk about it right now. And the other person, like telling the other person to shut up, and you're just you're just pushing off the conversation. <laughs> it's lazy writing, and you're trying to extend a story that does not deserve to be extended that much. Yeah. So, yeah, if it was sh- like a, a a long movie or you know a series of regular length movies, it'd probably no, be I'd, great. I'd say a solid two and a half hour movie, maybe. Like I yeah. think that would that would do it. Yeah, some justice. Now, part of me wants to take the entire series and re-edit it and release it, but you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to get sued. So, anyway, that's all I have to say about the Haunting of Hill House. I I watched it. Y'all can shut up now. I don't need to hear about it anymore. Uh, uh, the, the way I see it, if uh, if anybody wants us to talk about it more, we'll I guess we'll talk about it more yeah, at some yeah, point. Yeah, we can we can have more right. extended podcasts yeah. we want. I'm just I that's the one annoying thing with being like the movie guy to all your friends is yeah. they always ask you if you've watched something and if if you uh haven't, they just keep bugging you about it until you do. Yeah, usually I'm pretty good about like when a show's getting hyped up, I'll try to watch it. I'm like, all right, what's the what's the deal? Yeah. Like I did that with uh, that one what shit? What show was that? Uh, it was with a little teenage girl, and she committed suicide. I can't remember. Oh, Thirteen Reasons Why. Yeah, I watched that. I liked yeah. it. I didn't mind it. I I, I stopped watching. But the that second after. one was terrible. <laughs> I st- I stopped watching season one after episode four because they were all just so fucking annoying. Oh, it gets so uh, bad in the second. Oh, season. I'm sure it does. It was getting bad in four episodes. Everybody's in. got a mental disorder now. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, let's move, move on. on. Uh, so, Glenn, as you know, I text you about this, and uh, this is you, you're welcome to comment on things if you want, but I just want to talk about how shitty the Golden Globe nominees are <laughs> before we get into it. Yeah, the best part about all of this is I haven't seen half these movies, so see, I've seen basically I don't have too much of a voice on it. <laughs> I've seen most, if not all, in every single ca- category. Yeah, 
and really like uh you know best actor in a motion picture that's that's pretty solid um best actress in a motion picture that's also pretty solid uh well for drama at least yeah then we get into musical or comedy and it just becomes kind of lame but the thing that is most ridiculous is the best motion picture drama and best director categories uh best motion picture drama I, I'm going to be easy on the musical or comedy just because, you know, they are musical or comedy. They specify if it's a musical or if it's comedy. Uh, yeah. But for drama, they have, in my opinion, only one or maybe two of these movies deserve to be there. Uh, I only say maybe two because I haven't seen one of them. Uh, Black Panther. Yeah. Black Klansman, which is the one I think deserves to be there. Mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody. If Beale Street could talk and a star is born, why the hell is Black Panther getting nominated for that? Like, I understand, <laughs> I understand the significance of a primarily black cast in a Marvel movie, but but for a drama, not just for that, but like it's the movie itself. I'm gonna sound like Eric Cartman, Cartman right now. Uh, it's it's a good movie, but it's not great. Yeah. Like the only thing that's great about it is the representation and it deserves praise for that for sure. But this is something that has to do with the Golden Globes. The Golden Globes are known for being more or less corrupt where like you throw enough money our way, we're going to (laughs) nominate. And that is just so glaring here. Like, yeah, Black Black Panther is great. Sure. It's, it's, It's a fine movie, but it is we're rewarding mediocrity in this in in mm-hmm. my opinion and uh and i know the golden globes typically aren't the greatest representation of great movies um they're typically more mainstream and that's fine but it's just i i just after this year when we had all for some reason this year was backwards where all the great movies were released in like the first six months and yeah, no, it's pretty much been shit like for the nothing. last six months. And usually it's the opposite, the uh, the other way around. But like, there's so many smaller movies from the first six months that you could throw in there that that aren't oh, thrown absolutely. in there. And I'm just worried that it's going to be uh, representative uh, representative of what's going to happen with the Oscars. I hope it doesn't happen with the Oscars, but you know, yeah, I, I'm worried that that thought. with people are just with so many people bitching that Marvel movies and superhero movies aren't being nominated for best picture when they're fun movies, but they're super formulaic and not creative for the most part. Um, and it's just, uh, and it's not me just like hating on Marvel movies. Like they're fun, yeah. but th- there's, there's a difference between a good fun movie and a truly great cinematic masterpiece. Yeah, Black Panther overall, it, it was it was a good movie. Yeah, uh, Michael B. Jordan was amazing as a villain, as an mm-hmm. antagonist, and uh, I guess he, I think maybe he would even go for best supporting actor. Yeah. But uh, the representation, you're right, absolutely deserves more praise than the film itself. Yeah, and that's the same with Crazy Rich Asians. Like Crazy Rich Asians was a fine movie. Uh, the representation it, it, it uh, has for you know the Asian community is fantastic. But it's just an okay movie when you get down to it. Like it's it's your typical formulaic rom com. It just happens to take place in a uh, you know Asian culture. Um, I was gonna say you take away 
the whole representation. It's it's just another Marvel movie. Yeah. It's action. It's oh, you're talking about Black Panther? Yeah. yeah okay. I well, thought you were yeah, saying Crazy Rich Asians is another Marvel movie. <laughs> no, I switched back over to Black Panther. No, it's, it's, it's fine. Uh, and and same with A Star is Born. Like, A Star is Born was so mediocre. Like, yeah, it has great acting. I'm not, I'm, it's, it was nominated for Best Actor for Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga for Best Actress. And that I completely understand. More so for Lady Gaga. She was great in it. Bradley Cooper was, you know, okay, but he was also directing. He was just, but, a, he was just a deep voice, man. Yeah, he, he was a Sam Elliott impersonator. It's, it's me. Um, but the, the movie overall is, it just felt like an advertisement for the soundtrack like it, it like we talked about uh in haunting of hill house where each scene serviced the next monologue yeah. in a star is born each scene services the next song and it's and not in a way that like the song pushes the the story forward it's just a, a reason to to break down like the songs don't really have any meaning it's a song for that moment. In exactly. Scene, and right? it's, it's, yeah. it's just, it's lazy in my opinion. And then Bradley Cooper gets a best director nod for this. Uh, and mm. I love Bradley Cooper, but this was a super weak first directorial debut, like a directorial debut. It was super safe. He didn't take any risks whatsoever. And the product overall was lackluster in my opinion. And yeah. I'm, more so, I'm not so mad about like because I know the Golden Globes are shit. I usually don't really care about the Golden Globes, but they usually do a pretty good job at representing what is going to come for the Oscars. And I'm worried about that. And I just hope that it is just like a fluke and the Oscars kind of correct everything. But you know even, what? Even best directors, I'm not. I haven't even seen half these movies, but I don't think that's. I mean, unless you have a different opinion on it. Looks I have not great. seen Vice or uh, Green Book yet. But I, re- I, I really want to see Green Book, and I'm kicking myself in the ass so for not seeing it. I think Remember Vice is going to be Ali and Vigo. Yeah, oh. I think Green Book. Uh, Green Book's going to be great. Vice is going to be good, but I'm just tired of political dramas or True. comedies, really, because it's, it's, it's really gonna every be comedy. year. Yeah, like there's a big one. Yeah. And Adam McKay, I like Adam McKay, especially because he represents Philly. He, he's from uh, Philly, went to Temple and everything. Um, but he's he's just been kind of going off his, I mean, good for him. He's, he's finding a voice and whatnot. I'm just, I don't know. I, I was just growing tired of kind of like Marvel movies. I'm tired of political movies as well. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's all I have to say about the Golden Globes. Glenn, let's get in to The Hunt. Directed by Thomas Weitenberg, no, I'm sorry, Vintenberg, and uh, stars Mass Mikkelsen, uh, Thomas Bo Larsen, and Anika Wenderkoop. Cop, cop. It's probably Vedrokop. 
Assuming they have this, yeah, if they have the same rule as German, which I think they do, but I I could be wrong. Um, But yeah, Uh, also, I I realized this when uh, editing the last week's episode. I apologize for the foreign language trailer for those of you that (laughs) don't speak Spanish. It's Danish, you idiot, not Spanish. But, uh, you know, what, what are you going to do? We got to have a transition somewhere. Tis what tis. <laughs> yeah, just check out the trailer. It's pretty good. Um, and the movie's pretty good, too. So, yeah, we watched The Hunt as uh, the first movie. And, um, and you want me to do the uh, IMDb synopsis? Oh, I thought you already did that. Oh, no, I just went straight to director and stars. Oh, oh well, I, okay. Yeah, go for it. All right, let's, oh, let's do this. A teacher lives a lonely life all the while struggling over his son's custody. His life slowly gets better as he finds love and receives good news from his son. But his new luck is about to brutally, <laughs> is about to be brutally shattered by an innocent little lie. Oh. That's messed up. It is messed up. So, uh, again, IMDb does not do this justice. No. Um, and, I mean, the problem you, was you, you I don't couldn't wanna, do much better. Yeah, you don't really want to give too much away. Uh, with the what the innocent little lie is, but essentially, this uh, he's a kindergarten teacher who uh, a little girl's um, I don't want to say she says the lie, she's more led by the people questioning her, yes, to say that he uh did inappropriate things with her, like re- revealing yeah, she, him, himself. She and, overheard this one quote, and then she basically just kind of repeated the quote. Yeah, her, about so her brother's person. her brother's douche nozzle friend uh, showed her pornography and uh, said, "Look at his rod stick, or look at it sticking up in the air like a rod." Talking about his his penis, his uh, El Pepe. Oh. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> But yeah, so so she kind of just uh, then the teacher character does something that kind of irritates her, makes her feel uh, embarrassed, uh, not on purpose. Like he didn't embarrass her on purpose. It's just no. she kind of has like a, a, a crush on him for a little bit. And uh, as a good adult would do, tells her that's not appropriate. Um, and then she, in her embarrassment, tells another teacher about what she overheard. Which brings in an investigator, and then the investigator does a really shitty job and just leads her to answer questions the way he wants to. Mm-hmm. He wants it to happen, and that's what irri- that's what irritates me about these things because you know it's true. Where like the investigator comes in and he's just like, "When, where did he show you his his penis?" Yes, it's like she didn't say that he did that. He, ah, it's ah, ah, it's messed <laughs> up, man. But yeah, I, I first. Uh, Feel free to interrupt me at any time. Yeah, go ahead. But uh, I, I felt I, I first watched this movie when I uh, did the 365 movies in a year yeah, thing. Yeah, I, can, I can't remember. Did did I recommend this to you or the other way around? Multiple people recommended this to me. You may have been one of them. And I think um, I can't. I, I, again, I can't remember. But I can't remember if you were like, "Bravo, Glenn." God damn bravo. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like wishful thinking to yeah, me. <laughs> I know. It's just... No, but it's it's very possible you recommended this to me. And it's just, it's a really great, dramatic, I don't want to say it's a thriller, but it, it, like, you know, you, it does such a good job at keeping you in suspense, even though you know everything, like, you know what happened, you know nothing happened. 
and you just feel so bad for this guy who, uh, you know, is just kind of he's not even been a victim of a lie. Like I said earlier, like the 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 one teacher overheard something, came to assumptions, which, you know, in her defense, everyone would come to. Yeah, um, it's not like they did anything wrong. The only person who did something wrong is really the investigator who who was asking leading questions, um, and it's just you see why everyone is acting the way they do. You understand why everyone's acting the way they do, but you know they're in the wrong still because you know the person that you're following, and it it's it's so well done that it just I don't know. It just it pulled me in. Even oh, a second yeah. time. Usually a second t- viewing of a movie, I'll, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember this, blah, blah. But, like, I was invested in it even though I knew what was going to happen. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the many reasons why I recommended this uh, this movie here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was watching it with Kira, and she was loving it. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm loving it again. I'm like, oh, my God, I remember yeah. how good this movie is. And, yeah, as you were saying, we're stuck on the point of view of uh, Lucas, Mass Michelson's character, or Mickelson. Yeah. Um, and we know every, everything that he's done. He's completely innocent. But of course, yeah. people, they don't really think children lie. Um, mm-hmm. They have no reason to. And so everybody's believing. I mean, as they as most. Yeah, absolutely. Th- they sh- certainly the should. But no one we, in this movie here just sitting there. Yeah. Like, no, no, don't do that to him. He's such a good man. Yeah. The, it's that's the thing. Like the the. The main plot point and how everyone reacts to it, no one is in the wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what happens after, like, things are established are completely wrong. Um, like, when <laughs> when they introduced that dog, I just remembered Ooh. something bad happening to the dog. I Ooh. couldn't remember what, but I was like, you motherfucker, Glenn, you're going to make me watch this ha- again? Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be honest, for a little bit there, I forgot about it. And then I realized after we were getting a little yeah. close, I'm like, <sighs> and like oh. as much as you like, that's that's seems to be a thing in. Uh, I don't know if it's like a thing for people in general, but that's a running theme in foreign movies where like if someone's mad at someone, they'll kill their dog. Don't take it out on a dog. Yeah, Leave it's, the it's, dog alone. The dog never did anything to nobody. What, it what's crazy been about this is like most of the things that happen to him are things that people would actually do, like just yeah. overstep instead of like letting yeah. investigations do their thing and stuff like that. Like they'll take authority instead of letting mm-hmm. authorities it's, deal it's with the it themselves. It's the mob mentality. It's the mob yeah. mentality of we gotta we gotta stop this guy. The yeah. punishment they're giving him is not enough. But seriously, don't fucking kill a dog for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. My and God. F- and for the most part, he handled. Everything absolutely as well yeah. as he could. He never went to the police about the dog dying, which I would have. I would have been like, listen here, fucker. Yeah. We already established that I don't have a basement and all these kids are saying these things are happening in the basement. Why the fuck are you letting people like people killing my dog? I yeah. get really upset when a dog dies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't blame you. Dogs are better than people. Uh, I hope the person who killed that dog, I hope their child dies of some kind of terrible disease. And I hope they wash them rot. That are meant for dogs. But that are meant for dogs. Yeah. <laughs> like rabies yeah. or something. I, I would cry more over a dead dog than a dead child right yeah. now. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, in a movie. In a movie. Yeah, not yeah, in yeah. real life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, actually. It's like... Uh, uh, but, 
Yeah, so, and then I got to thinking, honestly, at the end of this movie, like, like it's it's pretty well performed by everybody, but I don't think this movie would really be the same without Mass Mickelson. Oh, absolutely. He 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 kills this yes. entire film. Like, absolutely. He's phenomenal. He like, he's, everybody's got their own performance. They're they're doing fine. They're doing great. And then, oh bam! Oh yeah! Here you absolutely. go. Here's my little Danish wonder boy. <laughs> Danish wunderbekind. Wunderboy. Uh, see, the thing that like, I again, I understand why this is done in investigations, but the big thing is he kept going when when these accusations were brought up to him. He kept going and uh, asking what was said, not even who said it, just what was said. Yeah. So he could defend himself, and understandably so, they said, "Oh, we can't tell you that uh, r- right now." And it's just so frustrating. Um, I understand why it's said when a kid is involved, but like, it's it's so frustrating being accused of something and then not being able to defend yourself. Like, I I really just kind of they did such a good job at m- making you frustrated when he's frustrated. Oh, absolutely. And he just tries to contain his frustration to not make things worse. Um, you know, sometimes he does boil over, but he, he, everything is so understandable and it's just and, and the worst part of like there's there's it really this movie makes like it gives you perspective mm-hmm. like obviously uh, if if someone's accused of you know child molestation or something like that you don't you don't like absolutely want to be like oh well they're the worst human being in the world and they deserve death beyond you want to like it gives you the perspective like you should at least like look into it absolutely and question it like they could be innocent and yeah. it doesn't go just for this crime but it goes for really any crime mm-hmm. like, yes maybe they could be an absolute psychopath <laughs> and a murderous fiend mm-hmm. but hell they could be innocent yeah and uh, if you're gonna kill somebody's dog over that well you deserve a little bit of a molestation yourself friend how about that <laughs> I, I, one thing i uh i i just read one of my notes is a pretty funny um there's a scene you, you remember the scene where uh um after he's arrested his son goes to uh the father of the kids who you know is caught in the lie goes yeah. to his house not even to bring things up just to kind of you know he, he's locked out of his house he can't really do anything and it's the only place he knows to go and things escalate he essentially tells the kid to stop lying which is understandable because the kid is lying and uh then you know the adults get angry throw him out and then one of uh lucas's friends johan uh, like hits him after Marcus yeah, does something. I don't remember what. So him. yeah, I just I just wrote Johan is the only one who abused a child in this movie. For real, <laughs> he is. Just He's the only the one. Crap at him. Yeah. Granted, the kid did smack him first. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, he's a he, huge dude. He, you're, he's a huge dude. He's an adult. The kid isn't that big. Like, the, literally smack the crap. Y- out you him. gotta like I I would put the fear of God in him, but you can do that without. Yeah, you could have yelled him. at him or something. Yeah, got in his face or something. Uh, but even just push him, like you don't need to hit him. Like he straight up grabbed him and started hitting him. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, also one of the, the crazy things about this is like in the beginning you see all these people hanging out. They're all friends. There's like six or seven dudes. They're all mm-hmm. best friends. All super cool. And when this this fiasco you know comes comes forth, 
all of them abandon him except for one person. Granted, yeah. most of them have kids. They understand. They're like, all right, screw this guy now. But mm-hmm. everyone abandons him, and you're just left there like, oh, this poor dude. Yeah, the the one... Uh, there is one that I thought was actually pretty compelling. The father of Clara, the the little girl who, yeah. you know, um, had things taken the wrong way. Uh, his name's Theo, I think. Yeah, Theo. He, uh, he, he, you could tell he's struggling internally. Like he doesn't believe that Lucas could do this, but he's also got to mm-hmm. believe his daughter. And I found that really compelling. Like you, you can't just shrug something like that off. Yeah, uh, because if it is real, you're gonna break that child forever. But it, mm-hmm. if, if it's not, you're gonna lose a a, a friend forever. Um, so I I thought that was really compelling. But yeah, everyone else is just like peace, dude. Uh, yeah. And honestly, I don't know how I would react. I'm I could see myself doing either thing. Um, it it I guess it depend on the friend. Yes. But, uh, you know, if it was if it was like my closest friend, I think I would have more of a struggle than just being like, oh, see ya. Yeah, it, <laughs> I mean, I'm a for the most part distant guy for most people, but I, th- I think I would give them a chance more than just be like, <gasps> "Sayonara, friend." Yeah, I mean, I would distance myself, but also wait to hear out what happens. Yeah. If, um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think I think the end of this movie is fantastic because it really just sums up the title of the movie, uh, "The Hunt." Oh yeah, and it's like it's Lucas's boy. He's finally old enough to go hunting, and then, you know, somebody, you know, after he's been cleared of everything, somebody takes a pot shot at him. Absolutely, uh, yeah. So he's he's by himself walking around in the woods, and you know everything seems peaceful, and then a, you hear a gunshot, and then bark near a tree right by his head just flies off. Yeah, and it's it's you see the shooter. But he's silhouetted, so you can't see who it is. And that was just so it it, it really kind of showed that like even though things seem over, they're not really over and, and there's still yeah. wounds that need to be mended, if they'll be mended at all. But who who do you think shot? I don't know. The, the whole thing's really daunting. It could have been literally anybody in that yeah. village or whatever town. Um, and it just really shows that, like, even during the dinner party right before they all went hunting, like, it showed that everyone's still skeptical of this dude, even though he's been cleared of everything. Mm-hmm. And although they, they want to, like, put on a face and act like they're friends with him now, like, everybody still gives him looks like, oh, he's this monster mm-hmm. and stuff like Like, I think it could have been anybody. Yeah. Um, I, I originally I thought like it was probably Johan. think it is? I thought it was yeah. going to be Johan um, because when... He seems to be the only one who didn't really forgive him fully when he was greeting him at that gathering. Uh, Mm -hmm. It it is possible that it could be read as more he realized how wrong he was and he's just in an awkward situation. But then also the silhouette looks nothing like the size of Johan. It's it's more of a skinny guy. So in that, like, I'm really not sure. I thought it was it would be Johan. But then uh, I even wrote down Johan until I saw the silhouette. I was like, there's no way that that is is Johan. It was like a normal sized uh, person. Yeah. but yeah, Mass uh, Mass Mickelson does such a great job. He he, it's such a hard subject to tackle, and he he approached it with such like a sensitivity and powerful performance that like it's 
it, it's just captivating. And it actually won him. This this film premiered in, in the Cannes Film Festival in uh, 2012, and it won him Best Actor at that mm-hmm. festival. And he 100% deserved it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that's really all I have to say about it. Yeah, yeah, same here. I mean, I mean uh, it was nominated for Best Foreign Film in uh, at the 87th Academy Awards in 2014. Lost to Ida, which is a Polish movie, which I, I got to rewatch it. I didn't really care for it the first time I watched it. But, um, you know, had I seen The Hunt at the time, I probably would have been pretty upset that this lost to Ida. Yeah. Because it, it's just a phenomenal movie. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say... That's why I recommended it. I feel like it it was captivating all on its own. It uh, it definitely was worth a rewatch, first of all. Um, mm-hmm. And it really just kind of opens your eyes, really, to just people and kind of giving them the, like how, a second how, glance instead of just immediately yeah. scolding them. And it really them shows out. how people don't care about the truth either. They they just are quick to, and and not in something so black and white. Um, it's really just it's hard to admit you're wrong and people struggle to do so det er min bedste mens datter, det ved du godt, ikke? Jeg tror på børnene, Lukas, det har jeg altid gjort. Hvis du har rejst mig i stedet, hvis du skulle have været, så får du kun kugle i panden. Du er ikke en sikker person, ikke? Det er ikke meningen, det er sådan. Men for helvede, du har ikke gjort noget. Hvorfor lå du min far? Hvad er det, du forestiller dig at ske? So that is The Hunt. Our next movie, we're going to take it back a few decades with uh, Mean Streets. Mm-hmm. Directed by Martin Scorsese. These are honorable men. You know, Tony, you got to worry about talking about one thing and then zap. Charlie. You got to be like me. Tony. I just be sure and tell him to be here tonight, all right? Michael. Giovanni. You're still around that kid, Johnny Boy. This Johnny Boy is named after me. Nice, huh? Oh, sure. But this Johnny Boy is a little bit like your friend Groppy, half crazy. I understand you try to help him out because of our family and his family. But that's nice, I understand. But watch yourself. Don't spoil anything. Honorable men go with honorable men. Four honorable men. And Johnny Boy. Why didn't you make your payment last Tuesday? What do you mean? I made my payment last Tuesday. What are you talking about? Charlie, you don't know what we're... He's here. Where? Out front. He's here? Yeah. So what do I care? Let me go get him. We'll straighten this thing out, all right? Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Charlie. What? Well, you're right. I'm right. Yeah. Was it last Tuesday? 
Yeah, that's the Tuesday. That was last week. That's before the one that's about to come up. My mistake. I'm sorry. Forgive me. It was last week. The week before that I was thinking of. Would you like to do the honors? Oh, oh yes, I would absolutely love to. <clears throat> mean Streets, directed by Martin Scorsese, stars Robert De Niro, uh, Harvey Keitel, David uh, Proval. Pro. I don't even know if he's Spanish, but he's a pro. Uh, a small-time hood aspires to work his way up the ranks of a local mob. That is the IMDb synopsis. I mean, that's kind of it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, this was this was an interesting movie. I'll give I'll give it. Interesting that. is a good word to put. Uh, um, so the reason I picked this movie is uh, it's it's a Martin Scorsese movie. It's one of his first movies. Not mm-hmm. I think it's a second feature length film. Yes. And I like going to see directors that we respect. I like seeing their first work to see how far mm-hmm. they've come. Uh, and also th- this is also in that one thousand one movies you must see before you die book. So. Uh, that's another reason I wanted to watch it. And also to throw some old movies in there since we've pretty much been doing the, at the yeah, turn of the absolutely. millennium. It was, it was um, a nice, uh, it was a nice little gift. Absolutely. Gift of time. To and, go back. and it's, uh, this kind of came out probably towards the end, uh, or the beginning. I'm not sure exactly what the dates are for new Hollywood, which is like a bunch of, uh, young, <laughs> I've heard it described as young bearded, bearded directors coming in and just changing <laughs> everything in Hollywood. Where they would make things not the so way that studios Spielberg would make them. Did that Spielberg, uh, Lucas, yep. which is ironic because they kind of fucked the industry in, inadvertently, but they fucked the industry over uh, <laughs> majorly by creating blockbusters. Um, it was it was right in the middle there. It's got to be like in the beginning and the end. It's got to yeah. be like snapped yeah. in there. So th- it, essentially, a lot of directors were inspired by French New Wave movies and. Uh, were just doing really experimental movies that didn't fit um it didn't fit the the norm you know it didn't fit how uh studios normally made movies where things were you know wrapped up with a nice clean bow they they were more experimental i know i said that already but it it hey, uh it was it's uh, okay yeah it's an okay. era from the 60s from time to time. late 60s to early 70s so yeah this was pretty like right in the middle Sorry, late uh, late sixties into early eighties. So this was right in the middle, about um, and it's Martin Scorsese's. Yeah, seventy three, nineteen seventy three. I didn't really go. I went into this not knowing too much about it. I knew it was Martin Scorsese. I knew Robert De Niro and Harvey Keitel. I knew it was probably something to do with the streets and their attitude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was real so bad joke. <laughs> The streets uh, and their just, attitude. I, knowing <laughs> Scorsese, streets, everybody. Yeah, Norwich Scorsese. Knowing Scorsese and especially his early work, it was really New York based and really showed how grimy of a city it was at that point. Because it was a grimy city. You can ask anyone who lived in New York in that time, and they mm-hmm. would be like, "Yeah, it was a shithole back then." Uh, I still think it's a shithole, but that's just me. Um, I'm, I'm getting people to stop listening left and right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do you want me to go, or are you still good? <laughs> I'm I'm good. Uh, so, okay. I, I thought this. I'm I'm gonna say I I understand why it is so widely regarded, especially with the the career that Scorsese followed up with. But I thought it was pretty rough. Um, I I thought a lot of it could have been cut out. Uh, and that's how I feel with a lot of experimental movies. And you know what? That's exactly what there are. They're experimental. Uh, so they're trying new things. But I felt like 
a lot of it didn't work with this. A lot of it was confusing in a way. Yeah. Um, you you hear Harvey Keitel's thoughts in his head, but you mm-hmm. at but, it takes you a while like no to realize that's what, that it kind of just shows that he's kind of thinking. It's kind of just happening, yeah. and you think it's somebody else talking, and then there's yeah. nobody there. You're like, what? Exactly. It's just kind of the way it's done is kind of confusing at first. And uh, there were a lot of parts of this movie that were slow moving. Um, to its credit, I was completely engaged in the last 30, 45 minutes. But until yeah. then, I, I was, was kind of like a slow grind. Until yeah. Then. So I, I was really just waiting for it to get started. Um, and when it finally did start, I ended up really liking it. But it, it, it was a rough beginning. Yeah. At least like the first uh, half hour, I think. Right. It, it was pretty rough. It was uh, like during that time, I was kind of. I was kind of more interested in researching the movie than anything, and that's yeah. where there was actually a bunch of interesting facts about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason why this movie was uh, more made like how it was than anything. Yeah. And uh, I guess I'll, I'll go into that a little bit. Yeah, go for it. So this movie is actually made with a budget of like five hundred thousand dollars. Oh. So it's really nineteen seventy three dollars, or uh, I think so. I'll get the conversion right now. Um, but you keep going. Yeah, I think. $500,000 estimated um, and it really kind of just shows because it, most of the movie is actually more freehand than anything more uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say shaky like it's just freehand there's no tracks yeah. there's no uh, tripods or anything like that for the most part and uh, uh, there's like long takes uh, the acting uh, seems more subpar than anything for for most of the actors, I'm not going to say like Robert De Niro. Oh, he was subpar. I thought but, uh, I thought Robert De Niro was great. Harvey Keitel, he yeah. had kind of a weaker character with less to do, play with, but Robert De Niro was incredible. Yeah. Um, just to um, interrupt you real quick, uh, five hundred thousand dollars in 1973 uh, is now two million dollars eight hundred forty-seven thousand eight hundred four and five cents. And what's interesting about that is pretty much half of that money went into the soundtrack and oh you could tell there's like yeah. a, a, a very famous song and pretty and much every first, every scene my first note was you know you're in a scorsese movie when the first uh, song is a rolling stones and hold that <laughs> hold that thought the second song was also a rolling stones song 100 <laughs> percent. so uh, yeah, half their budget went into like the soundtrack alone so if they, you know, held back on that a little bit, I feel like this movie could have been a little better. Absolutely. Looking. My my one of my notes was music budget must have been out of control. <laughs> oh, it was. Oh, it was. The, yeah, I, I felt like this uh, this had less plot and it was more of a showcase of how New York was in the time yeah. and the Italian Italian American life and also just kind of showcasing uh, showcasing all of their their skills, um, which I mean, it, it was still fun to watch for the most part, but it, it's. Uh, I felt like the plot was pretty weak. Yeah, I don't even think I don't even think the IMDb synopsis gives it credit. Uh, actually, I don't I don't want to say credit, but it, to me, this was like a different story than oh, this dude's he's a small time small time uh, Italian Italian boy trying to make his way through the mob. This to me mm. was more of like a you know like a best friend movie, like this dude yeah. and his friend and like the struggles that his friends go through or that his friend goes through, Robert yeah. De Niro being. And that that really took place more than any of the mob stuff. 
like they talked about it a lot, but like most of the time it was like, hey, where's, where's Johnny boy? Hey, where's Johnny boy? What's wrong with Johnny boy? Johnny boy owes me money and stuff like that. And yeah. It was just like, oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. You got to find them because uh, I'm not telling you and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember what series of lines it was, but there was a series of lines that made me write this note. Uh, the movie T- Tommy Wiseau thought he was making when he made the room. Oh, my God. There was <laughs> somebody in this movie was acting like Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, I can't remember who it was, but it was it's just I was reminded of I mean, this is definitely hands down a lot better than the room. I'm not even trying to make yeah. a comparison. I, this is more commentary on on how Tommy Wiseau thinks he is versus how he actually is. Um, but it, it really just felt like ha- uh, it reminded me of the room in some instances, and it, it just felt like maybe that's what Tommy Wiseau was trying to uh, <laughs> capture when he was yeah. making it. And it, it uh, as we all know, to much failure. Yeah. Um. Oh, I, I actually did write the. <laughs> I did write down the line that made me say this. What's the matter with you? We're friends. Oh my goodness, that was the line. <laughs> I swear to God, I, I, I was like having neat Vietnam flashbacks of the room. I was like, Ugh, what's happening? Tommy, Tommy, no. Tommy, keep um, in mind, we're here hey. to help. Oh, hi, Mark. Where's the money, Mark? Where's uh, Johnny boy? And, and kind of just going back into the, the whole, like it's just kind of told in a confusing way. Uh, when Harvey Keitel starts having a relationship with Teresa, the way the scene before was written or edited, uh, I can't remember exactly oh what it God, was. Yeah. I legitimately thought Teresa was his cousin for a second, but it, it was Johnny's cousin. Well, between that and the way like he was kind of narrating it, made it seem like a dream. Like, oh so, like, my God! Oh, so okay. So <laughs> sorry. In the room, in the room, the character that Tommy is always trying to help is Denny, and in this, it's Johnny with Harvey yeah. Keitel's character. And the 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 way they both interact a lot is very much like the Tommy Wiseau Denny thing. Yeah. Holy shit! I think Tommy Wiseau was trying to make Mean Streets. What, what year did the room come out? Uh, oh 2003. 2003. Yeah, I, guys, I think we cracked the code. <laughs> <laughs> oh I mean, my. I, I probably years later, Tommy Wiseau made I'm a drama just, about this movie. I'm probably just stretching it, but like. I made that comparison and and just how uh, you know Denny owes owes the guy money owes uh, um, the the thug guy money yeah. in the room Johnny owes the the mob boss in this owes him a lot of money <laughs> and it's oh my god sorry that just came to me what were you saying before that <laughs> I'll be honest uh, oh yeah the, the 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 narration so like that scene you were talking about where you think like. Uh, Cause at one point he says that oh you're gonna go and wake up cousin Teresa or something and then oh like, yeah yeah and then then he starts kind of narrating and talking about how Teresa was in his dream or something like that and mm-hmm. then like you think or at least I thought that like that the dream was happening over the voiceover yeah and next thing you know it's a, it's it's a real scene like that's yep. a it's a real life scene and then, you uh, think that uh, Charlie is banging his cousin for a second yeah. but then you realize you're it's like, Johnny oh, Boy's cousin yeah. Uh, I, Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you're just really. sitting there, you're like, what? Okay. At, at the end of the day, um, it all came down to me that this was just, it was very early work. It was very early work, Scorsese, with budget that he blew on the soundtrack and could have used it in better scenarios. But I think that he has come 
the longest way Absolutely. possible. And uh, it's, it's good to see that people still believed in his visions after like not saying that this movie was bad. I think it was it was good. It was a good movie overall, but it could have yeah. been better. I think it's a movie of its time, and uh, you know, I, I think a lot of our opinions with this movie have to be the way movies are now, yeah. um, where it's not structured like most movies. And you know, I'm I'm completely fine with that uh, with that being the case, but it's obvious that it's definitely a. Uh, um, a product of its time. I I also want to say that I wouldn't mind seeing like a remake of this. Like it, obviously, if they spiced up the script a little bit and yeah. the plot a little bit, I'd want that, it to be directed by Scorsese though, yeah, just to see absolutely. how he would do it. Um, I don't think anyone could really do think, it. The I think right Robert way. De Niro should play uh, uh what's his face? Uh, Robert De Niro should play Charlie's dad in the in the new one. That would be crazy. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then Leo DiCaprio should be. <laughs> Let's just do the whole freaking Scorsese <laughs> cast. Let's get Andrew uh, Garfin here, Garfield in here somewhere. <laughs> absolutely. So, um, one thing that I thought was kind of sloppy is uh, kind of around the end of the movie when uh, Charlie is chasing Johnny Boy because Johnny, uh, you know, they gotta meet the guy to pay the mob boss. Yeah, Teresa just has a seizure. <laughs> and it's I, never I mentioned mention, I think they mentioned that before but I think did it was they? about okay. the grandmother okay I, I instead, did I think it happened to her I'm I'm not saying that they didn't mention it before but if they did I completely missed it yeah. and it was uh, actually in the scene we were talking about earlier at the whole narration thing yeah it's, it's when Robert De Niro was like in in the bed and he's like standing at, and Charlie's standing at the window so okay, you're gonna give her a seizure. What are you doing? And like, oh, it was about the, when he uh, Robert wanted to go get some food. Johnny boy, he wanted to go get okay. some food from. But I can't remember. I could have sworn that he said the grandmother would have a seizure, and not Teresa. It might have been the other way around. But yeah, regardless, it, either either way, it wasn't a hundred percent clear what was trying to be said at that point. And um, yeah, I mean, overall, it's a a good movie. Uh, I respect it for what it is. Um, what it's done, you know, for movies and especially launching uh, Scorsese's career. Because without mm-hmm. this movie, we wouldn't have Scorsese. Absolutely. Um, at least not to the extent that we have him now. And it's just... And we wouldn't have the... Uh, <laughs> this is the first movie with Robert De Niro and Scorsese, by the way. Yeah. This is the first of their whole shebang. Yeah, yeah. This is... Uh, this might be an unpopular or controversial opinion. But I fucking hate button-up shirts that have a white collar and different colored regular sleeves and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, I think so. That was a big thing in, like, 80s Wall Street movies, too, where it was, like, a yeah. button-up that has blue stripes and then it's just a plain white collar. I fucking hate those shirts. Yeah. So much. They're, they look <laughs> terrible. He gets one. Harvey Keitel gets one in one scene, and I just remember cringing when I saw those. It has nothing to do with the movie. It was just the style of the time, but yeah. I hate those shirts. I don't blame you. Anyway, that's Mean Streets. That's Mean Streets. <laughs> the, the streets with attitude. You know, I borrow money all over this neighborhood, left and right, from everybody. I never paid them back, so I can't borrow no money from nobody no more, right? So who does that leave me to borrow money from but you? I borrow money from you because you're the only folks around here that I can borrow money from without paying back, right? Because <laughs> I don't give this issue by you or nobody else. 
Benjamin. Miguel. This week, or actually last week, you know that uh, Blind Spotting and Handmaiding both made it onto the shelf. Along with that Outlaw King. It's Outlaw got King. Now. So we got three on the shelf now, but now we got to decide about these two. Ooh. First, let's go to The Hunt. The Hunt. Uh, I don't really think this is more of a, a toughie than you would uh, guesstimate from our review from it, but I think it deserves to be on the shelf. Absolutely. Uh, I think I was clear when you said we were going to watch The Hunt last week, and then I tried to play it off cool like it was going to be surprising. Yeah. <laughs> Even before I watched it, I thought it deserved to be on the, the shelf. Oh, uh, yeah. But I mean, obviously, I, we had to rewatch it to make sure it wasn't just nostalgia putting it on. But it really is probably one of the better movies made in the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably say... I mean, this isn't going to seem like much, but with how many movies I watched, this is saying something. It's probably in my top 25 of the last 20 years. It's um, a really good movie. Yeah, and it's it's fantastic. So I, I would say it definitely deserves to be on the shelf. But uh, from here on out, I'm going to absolutely do my best to not recommend movies we've seen. But yeah, I'm I'm fine. I'm, honestly, I'm fine with it being movies we've seen. Um, yeah. Hopefully, we just keep it to one at least. Like you haven't seen both, or mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. As long as one of the movies is a mystery to at least one of us, if not both of us, then I think we're good. Got it. Uh, um, yeah. So yeah, there's a there's a little shelf boy for the yeah, hunt. A little shelf boy for the hunt. Little shelf boy. <laughs> now, for Mean Streets, um, wh- what would you say? <sighs> Although respected, respected movie. Uh, it's got it's where Scorsese really started, where Robert De Niro and Scorsese got together and started. Uh, however, it is kind of uh, not as good as it could have been movie. And unfortunately, I don't think it belongs here on the shelf. The respect okay. belongs there. The respect, the respect absolutely belongs there. belongs there. Yeah. The respect so, gets it for the shelf. It gets a glo- Golden Globe <laughs> nomination. How about that? Uh, so um, overall, I did like the movie. Uh, the beginning was rough, but I really enjoyed the ending and I was uh, you know I was drawn in by the ending but then you gotta ask yourself if a movie has a really good ending but you really didn't care for the rest of it does it deserve to be on the shelf Uh, and I think the definition for our shelf should be and I think you and I know this I'm not so sure if listeners know it's movies that I would be comfortable with recommending even if it's not necessarily said person's normal style it's like, it's movies you want to show off to people. Yeah, and it's it's why it's on a shelf, people. Exactly, and it's uh, our trophy system for movies. I think Scorsese has done a lot better work since then. Uh, I I wouldn't say this is his worst movie, but certainly not his best movie. Yeah. Um, and like you said, the respect. The respect for Scorsese. Can we just put a picture of Scorsese on our shelf? Yeah, we'll put just his glasses (laughs) or his eyebrows. So, yeah, I I, I think I would agree with you. I don't think it deserves to be on the shelf. Um, 
you know, I, I know I'm confident that we'll watch more Martin Scorsese movies that will make it on there. Oh, absolutely. And I understand why uh, I'm a big believer that you have to watch your favorite director's first things to see how far they've come. Yeah. So I understand why this is so widely recommended by people, but I was, uh, I was left disappointed. <sighs> so there it is. There it is. There's the shelf, boys. Yeah. The Hunt makes it onto the shelf. Mean Streets does not. We now have four movies on that shelf. But we got to move on to next week. Mm-hmm. And Glenn, have you depicted a movie to, uh, for us to watch next week? I did. I did. And I, I hope to God you didn't watch it because it just came out this last Friday. Um, so here we go. Uh, you know that movie that Disney decided to uh, kind of rehash in 3D? Uh, no, not Cinderella. We're not going to watch Cinderella again. I know exactly what uh, you're talking no, about, but I'll, I'll let you do your spiel. Uh, we're going to go with Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle, mm. directed by Andy Serkis. Oh, yeah. Starring Christian Bale, Kate Blanchett, Benedict Cumberbatch, and a whole lot of British people you don't even want to begin with to understand. <laughs> uh, so that's available on Netflix, right? It is on Netflix. Yeah. So I'm just going to say... I've heard bad things about this movie so far. Mm-hmm. I think people are watching it thinking it's going to be like the Disney version of Jungle Book, and you can't go in thinking it's going to be like the Disney version of Jungle Book. But we'll see. It could be garbage. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I, I've been waiting for a Jungle Book movie that is more closely to the book than the, um, than the than, Disney than, Yeah, than the Disney movie. But yeah, uh, my movie... So I have not seen that, so that's good. We got a movie we both haven't seen. Sweet. My movie, I have seen, but my wife was watching it with me, and she does not like horror gory movies. Ooh. And so she was asking me questions like, why are you watching this the whole time? <laughs> so I didn't get to enjoy it as much as I wanted to. But uh, I, I'm going to recommend that we watch Apostle, which is also on Netflix. And while I did watch it, I did not pay as closely attention to it as I wanted to. So that is why I am kind of, you know, instead of going to a movie I haven't seen going with that one. Got it. I could dig it. Yeah. In fact, I might watch it after this podcast because I got nothing to do the rest of the day. Yeah. So essentially, Apostle is directed by Gareth Evans of The Raid and The Raid 2 fame, starring oh. Dan Stevens. Richard Eflin. Was that a dog or was that you saying woo? Why not both? <laughs> well, I want to know what it was. I'm a sexy bitch, okay? I can be both. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, he, he directed The Raid and The Raid 2, so you know it's going to be violent. And yeah. in 1905, a drifter on a dangerous mission to rescue his kidnapped sister tangles with a sinister religious cult on an isolated island. And I'm excited to watch this again, uh, especially with more focus and, uh, uh, you know, more and, of an analytical mind. And not your wife. <laughs> hey, yeah. It is kind of funny watching those things with her, though, because she's like, ah, why are you watching this? <laughs> um, but yeah, so next week is Mowgli and Apostle. Glenn, as always, it's been fantastic talking to you. I love you. I love you, too. And everyone, have a great week. I love you, too, guys. Love you. Bye.